Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And as you know, every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. It's been a week. It's been a week. Wow. It's been a week. <laughs> it's and been it's a been week. a week. Boy, has it been a week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you ever heard the phrase, beware the Ides of March? Well, you know what? The Ides of March has absolutely nothing to do with March. Per what? Se. Nope. What? Sorry. Let me explain it. Okay. The Ides was a day that came every month according to the ancient Roman calendar. So during ancient times, time was tracked differently than we do today. Months were divided into smaller groups of days. The Ides was a set of days in the middle of a month, and the date March 15th, the one we use for Ides of March, turned out to be a deadline for settling debts. Well, that's interesting. You know, the main reason most of us know about the Ides of March, only reason I know about it, is because of Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar. And in the play, the soothsayer warns Caesar of this upcoming day, the Ides of Mm -hmm. March. And two acts later, Caesar is assassinated on the Ides of March. So the warning was about the day of his demise. Right. And while the ice of March was pretty bad for Caesar, the truth is that lots of bad things happen every day of the week. So there's nothing special about March 15th or any other reference to this in Shakespeare's play. But Ides does come from the Latin word to divide, and nothing divides more than betrayal. There's the topic for our show today. You know, Norman, betrayal is what led to Caesar's death. Right. So Brutus... Caesar's friend and Roman general joined the conspiracy to kill him, convinced that this was for Rome's greater good. He betrayed his friend, so Caesar's dying thought was of his friend's betrayal. Mm, last thought. That would be bad. Yeah. Well, betrayal cuts deep, not only in Shakespearean plays, but in real life. A husband cheats, a daughter lies. A friend goes behind your back and your heart is just broken. And sadly, we see scandals in the news and reports of infidelity and misuse of funds and friendship betrayals. They all involve that loss of trust, which is what makes betrayal so very difficult. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, there was this cheating website called Ashley Madison. Did we, did we talk I, about I that? I don't think I got into that. Yeah, one. I wrote a blog on it, actually, because I remember when it came out, it, it was hacked a few years ago, hmm. and all the names were Uh-oh. released. <laughs> yeah. So, there, all these affairs were re- revealed to the public, and so there were couples and families and church people mm. that had to deal with the revelation of loved ones and leaders who used the site to secretively have an affair. Wow. I'm telling you, the aftermath left people wondering... Can I repair the damage to my marriage and to the people who trusted me? Betrayal can happen in intimate relationships, but also in 
more common friendships with church leaders or coworkers. For example, you ask to tell a coworker something in confidence. You're hoping you can trust that they will keep your confidence, which then gives you a safe place to talk through the matter and hopefully strategize how to handle the situation. Okay, so this actually happened to me. So I really needed to talk to this certain person because I thought she could help me figure out what to do. So I went to this coworker and I said, can, can you keep a confidence and kind of help me with this? And she said, oh, yes. And then she even said, my lips are a vault. Wow. I thought, okay. But then, Norm, she betrayed my confidence and went right to the person. I was trying to decide how I was going to handle the situation. In the process, she lied and she actually ruined my relationship with that person. When I confronted her about the betrayal, she wasn't sorry, and she didn't make an apology. Even though you asked her to keep a confidence? Right. Well, how do you respond to that kind of betrayal, and how do you move forward, or does it keep you stuck? How did you respond? Well, when I talked to her about it, she said that she told the person about my concerns, which really wasn't her place because she wasn't involved in it. I kept saying, but you told me you would keep this a confidence, and she's she didn't have an ounce of remorse. Hmm. And even when I argued that she told me she would keep my confidence, she just didn't care. She was undeterred by the whole thing. So at that point, I had to sort of shake off the dust and move on, right? But what this incident told me was that I could never trust her again. Never, right. Right. And trust is the foundation to any relationship. And it takes a long time to build, and it can be a moment like that to break. So relationships flourish when there's trust. Without trust, relationships are in trouble. We've all probably felt that. But when someone breaks your trust and then wants to continue in the relationship, how do we even begin to build it back? And and I think we do need to understand how to do this because this happens a lot. Um, First, the person who betrayed you or broke your trust must admit to the action. They need to take responsibility without downplaying their actions or justifying their guilt. That's a really necessary step. It's not an easy one. Because people react to the admission of a betrayal. They get Mm -hmm. anxious. Mm -hmm. They get even grief-like symptoms. They might get really angry. But the reality of of a betrayal awakens a deep sense of loss for the person who was betrayed. And in your case, the coworker did not even admit to doing the wrong. So I don't see how there was anywhere to go from that. And if there's nowhere to go, how do you begin reconciliation? Well, that's right. And it's actually kind of sad because we work together, but she refused. So if you are the trust breaker, you need to be remorseful because without remorse, doubt's going to remain and you can't rebuild the trust. So there really wasn't any place else to go. And what has happened is we've had a very superficial relationship. So back to your example, because this is so deeply moving, there was not only no remorse, but I seem to remember she actually justified breaking your trust. Yeah, and that's what made it hard to continue with the relationship. You know, but if you're remorseful and you broke someone's trust, you also have to allow that person to ask a lot of questions, Norm, in order to better understand what happened. Hmm. So they might just want to ask you a whole bunch of stuff, and you're going to feel really uncomfortable as the person who did the betrayer, but you cannot complain about having to answer questions that might be uncomfortable because the person who was betrayed may need those questions to be answered in order to start rebuilding that trust again. Well, I can see why that would be uncomfortable, but then the betrayer has already made the relationship 
more than that's that right. comfortable. That's right. So if they're willing to begin the repair process, it seems they have to be willing to put up with those questions. That's right. That's a part of the process to allow the betrayed person to feel whatever comes. You have to let them do that and then to let them work through those feelings over time. Now, the intensity of the feelings will eventually diminish, but the reality of the betrayal remains. Prayer helps this. I mean, God knows your pain. He knows that you need comfort. He is a source of comfort. He can bring peace to your mind when you trust Him to help you work through those feelings of loss. But you have to work through those feelings. And during that whole process, I'm going back to the good old favorite here. Forgiveness is going to be critical. It's really essential to move forward for both parties involved. And I'm guessing it won't come right away. Probably not because you've been so angry or disillusioned. Well, eventually, if you want to repair a relationship or get yourself unstuck, you will need to choose to forgive the person who broke your trust. Now, that doesn't mean that you condone the action of the person. It doesn't mean you've minimized the impact or you don't act as if the problem never happened. Forgiveness means that you acknowledge the breach or the betrayal, Mm -hmm. and you choose not to allow it to fester into unforgiveness and bitterness. Forgiveness is your choice and frees you from that bitterness. It also has the physical impact of lowering your heart rate and blood pressure, and it helps you relieve stress. We've done entire shows on the power of forgiveness, and we talk about it often. So let me just remind you, if you need a refresher on this topic, search our podcast list. Jesus commanded us to forgive and love generously. It wasn't a suggestion, hey, you guys might want to consider. And most often, we need his help to do both. We do. We do. Remember, as you choose to forgive, bless and do good, this does not mean you're condoning negative behavior. I want to just keep saying that because sometimes people get stuck in that Mm -hmm. norm. It means you've decided to follow the words of Christ and do what does not come naturally to most of us. And he's our model. He experienced betrayal. Goodness. He knows what it feels like and yet gives us an example of how to respond. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do were his words on the cross. Jesus had compassion and loved those who treated him more than poorly, horribly. What a challenge. I know, right? But in the process of working through a betrayal, you may have to give assurance to the person you hurt. Now, this is another step in this process. Mm -hmm. Once trust is breached, lots of reassurance may be needed in order to help the person see your efforts to make changes and believe you're working to restore their trust. They may question you more often. They may be more suspicious for a time because they were fooled by you. That's okay. And be ready for these reassurances to go on for a period of time. Is this because the person will be more on guard so that they don't miss those cues of betrayal? Probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this is happening again. Exactly. Which means the betrayer needs to be empathetic to the pain caused by the trust violation. Often people want to admit to their mistake and then move on without further consequence or discussion. But the emotional pain caused takes time to work through. The violator needs to be empathetic to the time it takes that person to heal. They need to experience the consequences of the breach. Hmm. And when we cause pain to another person, I guess it's pretty normal to want to apologize and move right on. Mm -hmm. You don't want to feel it either. But working through emotions is not always easy, and it takes time and patience to recover a relationship. It, It really does, because you can't rush the rebuilding of trust. Only time will tell if a person can become trustworthy again. And that's often frustrating for the person who betrayed. 
They want to get back to normal, but normal has been disrupted and a breach of trust has occurred. So healing can come, but you can't rush the process. And during that process of trying to work through it, it may become tempting to throw back in the other person's face all the betrayal that you did to me. Mm -hmm. It's very tempting, but if you're working on repairing your relationship, you should not use a trust violation as a weapon. What is done is done. Throwing it in the person's face whenever you feel hurt will not help. Focus on moving forward if you want to continue the relationship. Betrayal is real, but the pain will eventually go away if you keep working this process. And again, prayer helps tremendously as God is working on healing your heart as well. Well, on that powerful note of hope, we're going to take a quick break. More on betrayal when we return. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought, I know we know this, but how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us too. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. We happily welcome you back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Just a quick reminder, you can follow Dr. Linda on her social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, at Dr. Linda Mental, and on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mental Author and Speaker. You can also listen to our podcast on MyFaithRadio.com or any of your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to MyFaithRadio.com. And that's really easy. If you just remember MyFaithRadio.com and you put my name in, you'll find it right away. Right. Yeah. So today we've been talking about betrayal and the difficulties of getting through that. Linda, I've heard that once betrayal happens, it's important to have a no secrets rule. What does that mean? I really like that rule. Yes, you have to have one because relationships built on secrecy, which is what betrayal is all about, 
doesn't they don't do well, Norm. Mm. And actually, this may possibly be how the betrayal began, uh, of course. because it starts with a lot of, you know, not quite being honest, doing things behind a person's back. Secrets are usually part of that process. So honesty is needed to rebuild that trust, even when that honesty is very painful. So I'm thinking if I'm the betrayer and I feel badly about it, how important is it for me to figure out why I did that? Well, you know what I'm going to say about that uh-huh. because I'm always looking at the why. <laughs> but it is very important to identify what made you vulnerable to this wrong action in order to not let it happen again. I mean, yes, you probably sinned in that process, but what prompted that? Do some introspection and some prayer about what led you to that down that path. Then you need to build in some safeguards and protection so it doesn't happen again. Hmm. And I was also thinking that part of the process back to trust is to let go of judgment. Boy, there's a big word for us. That can be so hard when betrayal runs deep. It's really true. I mean, you can even choose to forgive the betrayer but still continue to judge them. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to do that because it leads to bitterness and feelings of revenge. We just got to let God judge. Go back to the basics of working on the relationship and building positivity in the relationship. Don't ignore what happened, but once it has been dealt with, don't use it as a club over the person's head. Okay, and I'm going to get a little more personal here. Let's talk about family members Mm -hmm. and close friends and how they can move forward from betrayal. Is that possible? So many people I see just want to cut off from family members. Mm -hmm. And that's the easiest way to deal with a betrayal, right? Just forget about them. Or forget about it, as we say in New Jersey, right? <laughs> there are times, Norm, where that might be appropriate. Maybe if you've had a betrayal and it was really a serious abuse situation or something that was really, really difficult. But I would say that it's just an avoidance strategy and it's not going to solve the problem. And it could keep you stuck if you do that. Well, that's a good one. Let's talk about some more suggestions, shall we? About how to deal with family members, coworkers, or friends who are not always so loving and may not be willing to work on the process that we've been discussing. The process sounds great, but what if it takes two to tango, right? Yeah, and I would say still make attempts to resolve the issues that have built up and cause resentment. I mean, if you keep extending the olive branch, especially with family, that is a good thing. And I have, when I'm on other shows where people call in, people call in about that a lot Hmm. and say, well, I tried and they don't want to. And I'm like, well, just keep trying because it's the right thing to do. I like the idea of focusing on the good moments you've had in your past. You don't deny the problems, of course, but you balance out the negatives with positives. That makes sense? Yeah, and that's really good with family because if you have to be around family and you've, you've had some type of betrayal and you're really upset about it and you've tried to work this process, it really is good to to focus on positives or even to start to do something enjoyable together. Mm. So maybe what you have to do is build positive memories. New ones. New ones, uh-huh. right. And, you know, in terms of my coworker, I mean, we have worked on committees and we've built a working professional relationship. And while there's always this little bit of an undercurrent from the breach of trust, we do have to work together. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, here we go. Biblical again. Control your tongue. It has the power of life and death, according to James. This is one of the most difficult things to do because you just want to shout from the mountaintops, I've been betrayed. 
So don't go around gossiping about it. You're making things worse. Yeah. And the scripture tells us to pray for those who irritate us. <laughs> I'm using my own what words What version there. is that? <laughs> well, we're supposed to pray for those people who right? use us and, and Misuse don't, us yeah, and, don't yeah. act nice to us. So ask God to give you a heart, his own heart, when it comes to them. Obviously, they're troubled. They're having on their own issues. They need your prayers. And if we can get that perspective, it really does help. Yeah. And Jesus told us that we have to love others as we love ourselves. That's a great commandment. This is where the Holy Spirit and the model of Christ are essential. Let's also consider the biblical principle, what you sow, you reap. We find that in Galatians 6, 7. So when we return unkind behavior, it's probably going to come back to us. So focus on your response, not theirs. As difficult as that may be, you don't want to sow unkind behavior back to the person and forgive those so that you will also be forgiven. Forgive often, in fact. Jesus said seven times 70. So don't hold on to the offense. Be willing to let it go and give it to God. Once you have done all you can do. Remember, as you choose to forgive, bless, and do good to other people, you're following the words of Christ. And only by His grace, then you can do what doesn't come naturally. You know, and God's grace is a gift, and we need to, as we receive it, we also need to offer it to other people well, as well. True. Maybe we can keep that that idea in mind. And if you haven't read this in your devotions for a while, here's one last good suggestion. Read 1 Corinthians 13. It's a true reminder of love. Love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy or boast. It keeps no records of wrongs. It hopes, and it never fails. All right, so those are some great ideas of what you can do based on the Bible, what the Bible directs us to do, Norm. And if you're having trouble rebuilding trust, you may want to see a counselor to move, you know, move forward in the relationship. Sometimes it helps to get a third party involved and find a Christian therapist who can be sort of a mediator for you and a guide in this process that we've been talking about. Great idea. But you know, it is interesting, you are saying about the Bible, how it goes into detail about several terrible betrayals. Let's just think about the ones Jesus experienced. He watched his beloved disciples betray and abandon him. Then Judas gave him over to his enemies, and he got paid for it. Peter denied him for fear of retaliation by the temple police. Yet Jesus, in his mercy and grace, always chose to forgive. And guess what? unlike us, never became jaded by those experiences. The betrayers didn't deserve it, but that was the point. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. It's not about being right. It's about doing right. But that's a good distinction, isn't it? Doing the right thing rather than feeling like you have to be right in the situation. That's hard. But, you know, I, when I think about it, and we've, we've all been watching The Chosen, so we're watching how Jesus responds to all these right. betrayals and, and these terrible things that happened to him. You know, he could have fought back, and he could have defended himself so many times. You know, he could have proved he was right. But at his disposal were 10,000 angels ready to rescue him from a death he didn't deserve. Remember that old song, mm-hmm. Norm? He could have called... 10,000 angels. He could have called down an army. He could have wiped out those people who came against him. If he was in movies today, that's what he would have done, right? That's right. right. He right? would have won immediately. Yeah. And he would have, it would have been this victory and he would have been all, you know, excited about it. But, you know, he could have shown them, I guess is my point, how right he was. He was the son of God. Right. He could have became angry. He could have called foul play, retaliated, sought revenge. So much of what we see today 
right. in the in the hearts of so exactly. many people. Exactly, in our world. What did he ever do to deserve such treatment? Who Nothing. could blame him if he reacted the way you were suggesting? He could have proven his point. Retaliation and vengeance were tempting. I'm sure they were tempting. Well, he was, he was fully man, too. Right. And he was in pain. Right. <laughs> Jesus could flex his powerful spiritual muscles and take down all of his oppressors. He could rightly have put people in their places and shown them who was in charge. He could have won the argument right then and there. And sometimes when we're watching it, the show, we want him to do we that. Want him. <laughs> like, we know. Come on, we know what's say happening. who you are. You're the son of God. Come on. But we know no angels or armies were called down from heaven. The decision to do right, as you said, Norm, ended in dying alone. There he was, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, meaning the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Mm -hmm. Because of his response, our reconciliation to God is now possible. And we have to recognize that he did it out of love and out of sacrificial love. He gave up his rights to be right. He gave them all up. He did what was right to reconcile us to him, but not everybody else who wanted to prove him wrong. What an incredible challenge. Do we choose to do right or do we do because we are right? Yeah, this is an incredible challenge as betrayal hurts. So keep your heart soft. Deepen your relationship with God. Surrender that hurt to the Lord who identifies with your pain. Remember, Jesus felt pain when Judas betrayed him. He grieved. Mm -hmm. Jesus felt that anguish, and he feels yours. So do the work we outlined and trust him to heal your heart. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mental, who makes the show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember... We're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.